Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcast. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. I just had to get that in because that's actually the title of my sermon this morning, and uh, I, I had the lyrics there. Um, it, it's a song by the Newsboys called uh, um, The King is Coming, and uh, it was off their album from 2011 called God's Not Dead. Um, there was also a movie by that name, God's Not Dead. How many of you saw that movie? Um, and that's the title of my sermon this morning. Well, I'm beginning a new series today out of the book of Mark. And when I was talking about our, our vision, I don't know how many of you were here for that. I, was, I, I felt like, you know, God wanted us to grow this year. You know, and I was all getting, getting wrapped up in all the, 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 the stuff of like growing a church. And, and I, I think I, I just made my wife mad. And she's like, look, we, the, none of this stuff matters if we don't love Jesus. And so this year is going to be about loving Jesus. And so in order to, to, to get to that place, I think it's important that we go back and look at who Jesus was to look at the Gospels and see, see what the Gospels have to say about who Jesus was. And uh, so if you, we've got the four Gospels. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they contain the stories of Jesus. Now, there's a, a word that's used in biblical scholarship in regard to the books Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called the Synoptic Gospels. It's a, a big word, but what it means is to see together. And when you look at the three accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke together, they, they tend to kind of to intermingle themselves. You know, there's, there's details that you might see in Matthew that's not in, in the book of Luke. And then if you, if you just want to get the, the Reader's Digest version, you read Mark to get the picture. Well, when we... When we use these books together to see Jesus together, we get a, a full picture of who He is. And then the Gospel of John, the theology that John presents, that kind of complements those three books together. Now, when we're talking about the, the Gospel of Mark, the scholars say that Mark was the first one that was actually written down. I don't know if you, if you know about, about biblical history, but... In the ancient world, they really didn't do a lot of writing. Many people were illiterate, and so they had, had this oral tradition of telling stories over and over and over again. And that's how they passed these stories on from generation to generation through these oral stories. Well, Mark was the first one to take, those, take that story, the, the stories that he knew, the stories that he had heard, and, and writing them down. And in doing that, he created a new genre 
of literature, which we know as the Gospels. So Mark writes this story about Jesus, and the other Gospel writers actually use his text in order to, to, to complete their story. And just some quick facts about the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest of the Gospel books. It only has 16 chapters. And, and for me, I, I like it because it's, it's kind of brief. And if you go into uh, to Luke has 26 chapters, Matthew has 28, and, and some of those chapters are really long, and they have long narrative story, the, you have the narrative story where Jesus is talking, and, and they're, they're, they're rather lengthy. Mark keeps everything kind of compact. And Mark's writing style, because he made things com- compact and succinct, it appealed to the Gentile world. And, and some scholars say that that's who he was intending to write to, that he was, he was trying to reach the Romans, and he was trying to reach the Greeks, being able to tell that story in a way that, that it would capture their attention. And one of the, the things that he did in, in telling the story to them was that he, he didn't use a lot of the, the Jewish symbolism that you might find in, in Matthew and, and some of the, the cultural symbolism that, that comes in the book of Luke. So Mark just, it really is just sticking to the facts. He's like Sergeant Friday, for those of you that remember Dragnet. And also, when you're looking at these books, Mark, the, the text from Mark, 90% of the book of Mark is, is, is in the book of Matthew. And 50% is in the book of Luke. So... Maybe that's a little bit more than you wanted to know about the Gospel of Mark this morning, but but anyway, that's there for you. But over the course of this series, I'm going to be making references to the other Gospels because, again, I want want us to have a complete picture of of who Jesus is. And it's my prayer that in in these coming months, because we're we're probably going to be in in Mark for a little while, and I I want to take the time to make sure that that we get a good look at who Jesus is and that, that we might somehow have a new revelation. You know, because it's one thing whenever, you know, we, we have the mental ascent, but it's, it's something completely different whenever we allow the Holy Spirit just to kind of let that stuff just get down on the inside of us and, and, and allow it to change who we are. So, so that's what we're going to be doing over the next, the next few weeks and months. Now, the song that I played earlier, and you didn't get to hear the whole thing, but, but it's basically word for word from my text this morning. If you've got a Bible, you can, you can turn to it if you'd like. The, it, the words will also be up here on the screen. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. This is all we're going to be looking at this morning. Mark writes, this is the good news, or the gospel. That's what the word gospel means, the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And it began as the prophet Isaiah had written, Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Now, when you look at that first line, if you could y'all go back just just one more one one slide. This first verse, it it's, it kind of reads like a title. You know? If if say that that you've got a movie and 
this is, this is the headline. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And what, he, what he's saying there is, Jesus is the King of the world. And in, in order to understand the significance of that announcement, we actually need to back up a little bit in order to understand the context that Mark was coming from. Our story actually begins in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. You know, you, we know the story. They're experiencing God's creation. I mean, the world is brand new. And God's given them the authority to name the animals. I mean, it, well, can, can you imagine what it must have been like? I mean, the first people to ever walk on the earth and they're ex experiencing God's creation. Well, we know how that story goes. Chapter 3 rolls along and the serpent comes to Eve. And, you know, and people give Eve a bad rap. I, I think... I think you know, Adam deserves deserves a lot of the, the credit in this too. But the, the two of them together sin against God and the world spins completely into chaos. Can you imagine what that must have been like? I mean, there, there was no such thing as decay in the Garden of Eden. And in that moment, decay became part of God's creation. And when God pronounced His judgment, He said these words to the snake. You remember? And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Now He was also speaking about the animal, but He was also talking about, about the enemy, Satan, who was, who was actually in the serpent. I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. And he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. You see, that's the first prophecy of the king who would be coming. Thousands of years later, there will be one who, who came who would, who would strike the snake on his head and kill him. And from that time, people were looking for a savior a king, or just someone to rescue them from their lives of futility. Now, let's fast forward a little bit. From there to 2100 B.C., when God spoke to a man by the name of Abram. God spoke to Abram and He said, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed because of you. Now, from this point forward, all the descendants of Abram, who became Abraham, they worshiped the God... Jehovah, Yahweh. And they anticipated the coming of a Messiah, a Savior, a King who would rescue them and save them from their sins. And hundreds of years passed, and the, earth, the, the prophets urged 
the people of God, time and time again, after falling away and coming back and falling away and coming back, he urged the people of God to continue looking for a Savior, for the Messiah. And one of those prophets was the prophet Micah. He lived from, from B.C. 740 to, to 700, only 40 years old. And our Bible contains four chapters of his writings that are attributed to, to the prophet Micah. And this is what he said in regard to the coming of the, the Messiah. Look, I am sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now imagine what these words meant to the people who were actually looking for this Messiah to come. And as a, as a prophet, you know, Micah, he, he's, just, he's, he's telling them what he feels like the Lord has, has shown him. And he doesn't know if this is going to be next week. He doesn't know if it's going to be next month. He doesn't know if it's going to be in the next 200 years. He's just pronouncing that you need to make way. You need to prepare the way for this, the, the king that is to come. The, your king, the Lord, the messenger of the covenant is getting close. He's coming. Well, Micah was a contemporary of, of another prophet. And he was a little more prominent than, than Micah. The prophet Isaiah lived from 745 to 685 B.C. And so they, they kind of crossed paths a few times. Isaiah spoke extensively of the coming of the Messiah. And his writings consist of 66 chapters of some of the most vivid, vivid descriptions of the future king. And in Isaiah chapter 40, the chapter that, that Mark quotes from, seems to elaborate on this, this prophecy of Micah that I just read to you. In verse 3 of chapter 40, he says, Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. And then the Lord, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. You see, Mark was actually quoting Micah indirectly and Isaiah directly to add weight to his claim that Jesus is the Savior, the King, the, the one that the world has been waiting for from the very beginning of time. And his name Jesus literally means deliverer, rescuer, Savior. And just as the angel told Joseph, you remember that story? The angel comes to Joseph in a dream in the Gospel of Matthew, and he says, And she, referring to Mary, his soon-to-be wife, will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, in the ancient world, kings 
before they, they had the, the, the chariots and you know stagecoaches and all those kinds of things, kings actually traveled on these, these, these beds that they have different names for them, but there are these couches that were carried on the shoulders of servants. Maybe you saw this in, in the, the movie Cleopatra with Elizabeth Taylor. You know, they, they're, they carry them around and they're, they're, it's, it's plush. You know, they, they never have to even put their feet on the ground. And so they're walking, the, these guys are walking carrying the, the king or the queen on their shoulders. And so in order for them to have a safe passage, sometimes it was necessary for servants to go ahead and, and actually work on the path that these guys are going to be walking on. Because nobody wants to be walking, trying to carry the king or the queen, and then all of a sudden lose your balance and throw her out. I mean, who would want to do that? I mean, you end up losing your, your, your not just your job, but your life. You know, you just, you just hurt the king. Okay, off with your head. That, that, that was how it worked. So what they did, they'd send these people out ahead of them, and, and their job was to fill in the ditches. Their job was to make sure that the, lo- the roads were as, as level as they could make them. They made sure that there were no obstacles in their path as they brought the king and the queen wherever they were taking them. Now, there were also messengers who went out before the king and the queen whenever they, they went out in, into these, these regions and, and their whole job was just to make the announcement. Make way! The king is coming! Make way! The queen is coming! That was their whole job. And, and they, they had to alert the people ahead. The king is coming. The queen is coming. Well, in Isaiah's words, God says, fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth the rough places. Make way for the king. The king is coming. Prepare your hearts to receive the king. And for Mark, this is where the good news begins. Everything that has separated man from God is being moved out of the way. The king is coming and no one is going to keep him from us. When I was about... Mom, you might help me with this. My brother was, was drafted in 1970 to go to Vietnam or to, during the Vietnam War. He was married, and so he, instead of going to Vietnam, he went to Korea. Well, while he was in, serving in Korea, uh, he and his wife, uh, their, their son was born, my nephew. He's 18 months younger than I am. And uh, my brother had never seen my nephew Johnny before he, he, he came back from, from Korea. Well, when, uh, when it was time for, for Ricky to come home, I rode with my parents and my sister-in-law and my nephew from, from where we lived in Malakoff, Texas, up to Dallas to go to Love Field. And this is one of the earliest memories that I have. And, and there, there's, there, it, there's a lot of it that's kind of fuzzy. I, I just turned 50, and so I'm finding out that there's some, some stories that, that I remember that I don't quite remember all the details, but I do remember this. We're in this big corridor that's outside of the gate. 
And we're waiting, and, and we've been trying to get to the gate, and we're still, we're still on our way there. And this, this is back before TSA and all that, so, so you could kind of roam around in the, in the, in the corridors of the, of the airport, and there wasn't a big deal. We're trying to get there, and we're, we're, we want to, want to meet my brother whenever he gets off the plane. Well, we're walking around, and then there he is. Well, we're on the complete other side of the airport, or what seems like the other side of the airport. It's a big room. And so we see him come out. Well, my sister-in-law hasn't seen her husband in, in, in a couple of years. And, you know, he's not seen their, their son. And so she starts rushing to get to my brother. And so we're just kind of standing back in the back. And we're all excited and everything. Well, you know, like they do in, in airports, they have all this, this crowd control type stuff. And, and they, they, they're, you've got the ropes that are, that are now, you know, you can't cross this. And you've got to go this way and you go through. And, you know, and then they, they have the things like you go through kind of a maze, you know, like what it, it, the amusement park, you know, you're going around. Well, she's trying to get through all this stuff. And I was just like maybe three years old. And there was a saying back in those days that, uh, that was kind of common, cut the butter. Anybody ever heard that saying before? Cut the butter. Well, what it means is to take the shortcut or cut the distance. And I'm a little kid, and I'm watching what's going on, and she's struggling trying to get through all this stuff, and I'm screaming in the airport, cut the butter! And, and she did. She started knocking stuff over, and then they got there, and they embraced, and it was just such a wonderful thing. But I want us to see this morning, as we start this series, that Jesus came to cut the distance, to cut the butter, so that we can get access to Him. There's nothing to stand in our way between Him and the salvation and the love and the grace and the mercy, everything that He has for us. There's nothing that will come between us and Him. And that's the good news. This is what Mark was all excited about. The Messiah, the Son of God, the King of the world has come. Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, has come to save us from our sins. And so this morning, we need to make way for the King to come into our lives. Can we stand together this morning? <clears throat>